Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hello and welcome to Podcast Like It's 1999, the podcast where we talk about the films of 1999 from the Titty Twister here in 2022. I'm one of your hosts, Kenny Nybar. And I'm Phyllis Scove. And with us today is a uh, writer um, and uh, friend of the pod, uh, our friend from the internet, uh, Brandon Streistig of Fangoria. Brandon, I'm a, I'm a dummy. What's your home site? I- uh, uh, secret handshake cinema secret, yeah secret handshake cinema um the bravest man on the internet uh, i've got i honestly truly that's the thing it's like i was just like i love that you fucking came on dude truly yes yeah i i i, I feel like i tried to scare you with the intro but the truth is like i'm so impressed i was so, I'm so happy you're doing this i think this shows you know tremendous character real quick backstory if you're okay with me telling it brandon Oh, of course, yeah. <laughs> uh, I figured it would come up at some point. Uh, Brandon did it like one of our uh, our episodes and tweeted about it, and it hurt my feelings very much because I'm a sensitive baby. Same. And I mean, we're both sensitive babies. We're yeah. sensitive babies. Those of yeah. you who know us, and uh, it, it was like it was like, oh no, someone who I don't know on the internet uh, with a lot of followers thinks that we're dumb. So uh, I'm like, well, how am I going to approach this? I must, you know, respond. Mm-hmm. you know god forbid i should let that sit there the responses didn't really work out uh and then finally i'm like all right i'm just gonna, i'm just gonna appeal to him personally i'm just gonna i'm gonna send him like at like 11 a at, at like 11 p.m i'm just gonna yep. appeal to him personally and just just put it all out there and just say <laughs> look 
I really love David Lynch, man. <laughs> Come on, give me a break. Because the, the, the tweet was essentially like, hey, man, this guy doesn't get David Lynch. He's, he's a dope. And a lot of people were like, yeah, Both he's of a us, dope. By the way, he's Both a dope. Of us dopes. Like a lot of people were like, these guys are dopes. And I'm just like, well, oh, whether or not I'm a dope or not is totally is totally irrelevant when it comes to my love of david lynch which is yeah. pure so i was like please take it no i didn't say please take it down i'm like you should know you hurt my feelings that's really what it was I'm like you should know I'm a, I'm a living breathing person with feelings and you should know that and he responded immediately he was like Same. man yep i he's he, he was just like i mean i don't, I don't want to put the words in your mouth but it was so quick so heartfelt you took down the tweet which like you didn't have to do uh i mean i would have done it because i hate confrontation but uh <laughs> you didn't have to do that he took down the tweet and then then he texted or, or dm still yeah. without you know prompting mm-hmm. and at that point i'm like we have to get him on the pod because yeah. this, this sounds I, like yeah. this sounds like this sounds like fun yeah. so I, I i i have to say the tweet was just a tweet and no no hard feelings the way you handle it was like a suit, like a gentleman. And the fact that you're willing to come on this podcast to talk about these, uh, these two movies that we may or may not have ha- had you watch as punishment um, <laughs> really shows what a mensch you are. So we really appreciate, uh, we really appreciate, appreciate the whole thing. Uh, so thank you. I also want to say too, I was texting with Kenny, obviously, as this was all transpiring and by the end of it, I was like, maybe Twitter's not the fucking worst place in the world. Like, it was one of those things that, because generally speaking, you know how this would play out, Brendan. Like, this would just be, it would just turn into some fucking dog shit nonsense where, like, people would just start, you know, whatever. And and the fact that you approached it with sincerity and were, like, genuinely felt bad about it. And I turned to Kenny. I was like, we absolutely need to have him on if he'll come on. I mean, it'd be great, so. Well, it, it's one, it's very gracious of you both, especially after that, because, uh, yeah, when you reached out to me, Kenny, I was just like, I immediately was just like, well, no, like, at, like, as a sensitive baby myself, like, I, I would, I would have felt the same way because like, people have screenshot things I've written, like tweets I've, I've had, and said like, really nasty things about me. And so like, I thought about it. And I was like, I don't like that when that happens to me. And I don't know these guys. And and like, and, and you said in your message, you were like, I feel like this is out of context. And it was like, I mean, it kind of like, I, I don't know how malicious I was trying to be. Like, I don't think I was trying to hurt anybody personally, but I think when it happened, re- regardless of my intention, clipping something out of context never helps anybody. Sure. And I just, yeah. And I was just like, I wouldn't want that to happen to me. And it just, and you both seem like cool guys. So it was just like, not really. <laughs> well, I don't know, but I don't know how cool I am, but I'll, I'll just say I, this too. I, I, I seem like a cool guy. So that's all that I'll matters. just say one other thing too, to that point as well, because I do, I understood taking, taking the clip out of context is one thing, whatever. I mean, that's, that's is what it is. But I also feel like, and I, I don't want to speak for you, Kenny, but like, there's a lot of movie podcasts out there and there's a lot of people that think very highly of their own opinions. And I think that, you know, I'm sure there's any number of podcasts out there that do legitimately shit on David Lynch and legitimately have issues with him. And I imagine that, you know, if I heard one of those, I'd be like, well, fuck these guys or fuck well, this I, or whatever. You know what I mean? I like I sort of, of get it on some. Yeah, no, I thought about it a lot too. So the basic, <laughs> the basic, all right, Brandon, appreciate all of that. And, uh, Yes, totally, totally get that. 
I thought about it too. So just the specifics of it was I said it should be said it was me, not Phil. I said that Brent, that that uh, David Lynch has never met a woman before, <laughs> which is undoubtedly true. And everybody took incredible. You're doubling down on this bit. It's, he's never. I, I have seen so many pictures of David Lynch in his life. He's never been photographed with a woman. He was explicitly yeah. working with. So yeah. he he's <laughs> never met a woman outside the you know context of you are my employee for the duration of this movie, and that's right. well documented. And uh, no, but, the, <laughs> but I, I, I actually I have thought about it a lot for real. Yeah. And like and I, I'm not accusing you of this at all, Brandon, but like, quote unquote, has never met a woman is is triggering language. I get that. That is like that is the language of that is that is like often used in a faux woke kind of way. To say that I get particularly by, you know, cis white dudes like me to say I get women and this person doesn't get women. Um, So I I understand how that phrase in particular, like, was a little upsetting for people. My as I said to you in our in our DM, my favorite thing to say about David Lynch is not that he's never met a woman. That was the first time a test drove that. Never going to do that again. (laughs) It's that he it's that he's never had sex. Which right. is clearly true. Movie that he is he is constantly reimagining what sex with a human being may be like in a very never, frightening fashion. He's never right. No, right. now I wait before before we go too far. I'm joking again. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. I know. <laughs> well, I think I I think that's the most important thing is that I mean, you guys were joking around, and I think it was kind of like, I mean for lack of a better term, shitty on my part to just clip a joke and just be like, look at this. And I think like, for me, it's always hard to, I, I talk about this a lot with one of my good friends is like, <clears throat> um, I always like tweet for like an audience of a few people and never expect things to like go as right. far as they do. And then when sure. they do it, it, not that it makes it right, obviously like shit talking in general, just is kind of like, I mean, should be beneath adults, but um, <laughs> but at the same time, like, like I I don't think I ever realized, you know, I'll wake up, I work overnights, and so I'll come home and go to sleep at like six in the morning, and I'll wake right. up at noon, and a tweet will have gone off, and I'll just be like, what happened here? I didn't say anything, <laughs> and like, right. so it's always surprising, and then when it when it got as far as it did, I was like, oh, this is going to get back to them, and then this is not going to be great and then you responded first phil and i was like oh man this i feel awful now <laughs> it was i mean I, it, truth be told like i mean listen I, I i think that i obviously don't want to speak for kenny but like i try not to let twitter get under my skin kenny smartly stays off of twitter for the most part it's a good idea. i mean it which is for the i know you, of just, you, hi, you you alerted me to this yeah, and i'm like well, I did. I did. well something's oh. something's gonna have to happen now <laughs> So I, I, I'm honestly, at first when I saw the tweet, I was like, okay, I mean, this, this isn't fair, quote unquote, but then it was like other people that I respect commenting yeah. on your tweet where I was just like, no, no, I can't have people thinking that we don't <laughs> like David Lynch. Like that's not, so it was, it was one of those, uh, one yeah. of those situations. But I will say like you did, you know, you were very clear. You're like, it wasn't like you're, you were not like these guys are idiots. You were very clear. Like I was recommended this podcast. I don't mm-hmm. think it's for me. <laughs> and then you were like, they seem like nice dudes. Don't attack them, which nobody yeah. did. Like nobody fucking tattletale tweeted on you. So yeah. the, but the other thing that came out of this, 
was there was one person on all of your mentions who defended us. And I don't know what their handle is, but they, it's KW on the thing. And they called us good natured Hollywood blowhards, which I really liked. <laughs> that was really, he's like, he's like, if you, if you, I think the tweet was something to the effect of like, you know, if you were on the podcast with them, they would have, if you push back, they would have been like, yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. Which is true. We would have been like, yeah, you're right. Like, yeah, whatever. Okay. <laughs> like, just like, yeah, yeah, of course you're right. Oh, of course he's met a woman. Um, <laughs> and he goes, they're just a couple of good natured Hollywood blowhards, which is the, most accurate we should thing to say about me. I want to, I mean, it's too late for me now. I guess not, but I thought I wanted to put it in my Twitter profile, like good nature <laughs> Hollywood blowhard, which is yeah, just yeah. who I am at my, at my core. Yeah. So uh, welcome to the good nature Hollywood blowhard podcast. We're talking about for dusk till dawn two and three. Mm-hmm. I don't know why you agreed to do this, except that you felt so terrible you'd have done anything. <laughs> well, uh, I, you know, it's <laughs> funny, before you hopped on, Kenny, uh, we were talking a little bit uh, about sort of how rare it is that you get two movies in one year from a franchise. In Famously, Lester, the Matrix. The Matrix. <laughs> in yeah. Lester, the Matrix. Um, obviously, the only one, I, I, but... I'm sure it's not the only one. I mean, Back yeah. to the Future, I think, did it within a year or two, right? Not, <clears> the, same like this, calendar not the same calendar year. But yeah, I mean, listen, this, the reason, so basically what happened was, just so, so, so you're aware, Brandon, basically, <clears throat> when you were like, hey, I, I, I'll totally come on, I was like, great. And then I was sort of thinking like Fangoria, obviously, trying to sort of stay in your wheelhouse a little bit, something that might be of interest to you. These two movies are obviously like pretty garbage straight to video <laughs> films. I don't think that I don't think we're gonna ride hard for either of these movies, but one's not so fe- bad. Which one? one of the two is not so bad? Yeah, I agree with you hundred uh, percent. I wonder if it's the same one though. Yeah, I was thinking ha- that too. I wonder which ha- one. <laughs> How could it not be? How could it not be? <laughs> right? But who knows? Um, we'll, we'll we'll discover that in a moment. But I but I do think that, and I want to kind of. There's two things that I want to unpack before we get into like the films themselves. The first was um, straight to video movies. Okay, which are have gone through various sort of iterations over the last, let's say 20 years or so. Right. I mean, back in the nineties, this was a real boon, right? Like straight to video movies. You did them for probably under, probably under $5 million budget, probably something in that, in that vein, you got a couple pseudo quote unquote celebrities. Um, I worked in many video stores. They rented really well. They're just kind of, they are what they are. Right. And then what happened was, the rental market went away. So I think they still kept making these films to some degree. And I'm assuming some people maybe bought them on DVD or on Blu-ray or maybe even on iTunes, but then you had Redbox and now you have like various streaming services that are, so like it's kind of back again in a weird way. I mean, am I crazy in saying that? I don't think so. No, 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 no. I don't think so at all because I was, I was actually telling you, Phil, before we started recording, um, it's weird. Uh, picking these wasn't out of my wheelhouse at all because I had never seen these specifically, but I like all kinds of movies. It's weird. Like I, I feel like I've been kind of pigeonholed in what I write about, which is fine with me, sure. but like, like Agnes Varda is like my favorite filmmaker, but, oh, wow. but, but awesome. like, but it's like, I feel like all I write about are like DTV cult movies. And 
I've kind of enjoyed doing that the last few years because I have kind of felt on a rabbit hole a few years ago. Like, uh, I don't know if either of you know the actor Scott Adkins, but he's like, he does a lot of DTV action stuff. Yeah. And he makes really good movies. I mean, I mean, for every great movie he's made, there's like five that are pretty unwatchable. But, (laughs) but, um, but I just, I've kind of built a lot of my writing career around advocating for like this kind of stuff and saying like, you shouldn't write this off just because you didn't know Undisputed had three sequels and they're all actually really good. Or like the the last two Universal Soldier movies are two of the best action movies well, we, of the decade. I, and then, I was going to bring that up because yeah. we have uh, we have a friend, we Tom Lorenzo, yeah. who comes on quite a bit. Mm-hmm. And uh, Tom Lorenzo has his own podcast and he is one of the big Scott Atkins fans. And we did, you know, Universal Soldier 2 is a um, 99. 99. I listened listened to that one. Yeah, The Return. Yeah. And that's a bad movie. Terrible. It's the the worst. (laughs) Bad movie. But but Tom, you know, uh, advocated very strongly for three and four. Mm -hmm. Um, And who's the guy? Peter? uh, Uh, Peter Himes' son, uh, John Himes. Oh, John Himes. Exactly. Um, And yeah, that and then the Scott Atkins stuff. he'll talk about as well and it is interesting yeah i mean my only quibble with what you said phil is that i don't think it ever went away yeah it's possible it just kind the, of yeah that's the direct yeah. to video or whatever yeah. stuff it just kind of took these different forms i think you went yeah. through it like yeah. kind of this yeah. progression yeah. um of what it is now i guess these you know there there are kind of a few excuse the word a few ghettos right now where they live mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I mean, some of it is Netflix, but you know, you have tons of stuff that goes direct to Shutter. You have tons of stuff that that's the Redbox still makes movies. Sure. Then you have all these movies that like you can get on Direct TV, uh, sure. and you can or the like sci-fi, like your Sharknados and that kind of thing. You know what I mean? That's like a that bit of a different. That's a bit of a different bit animal, yeah, only yeah. because my sense is that the Asylum stuff, yeah, is all very much uh, intentional. Intentional camp. Right, Whereas right, the right. Scott Atkins stuff is generally yeah. intentional. It's I mean, right. John Hyam stuff is intentionally trying to be excellent. They're trying to be excellent films. For sure. Right? I mean, I do think that, you know, it's worth, and I feel like it kisses up against what we're talking about, but like the whole dimension thing, the, the arm of Miramax that did, you know, that made these films. Um, <clears throat> the first one's dimension too. Am I crazy? It is. It is. Yeah. It is, yeah. yeah. Um, it, it's it's sort of their like I guess it's their grindhousey kind of arm thing where it, dimension I, I don't yeah. genre dimension was genre. just pretty much pretty much their genre thing I think there are like one or two movies they did that don't really fall into that category plus but I'm sure the they mo- have like a ceiling on the budget of these films too right well, I mean it, I mean you know it was Miramax they all kind of you know for, for right. a period of time but when you had like a mimic they would go to de- you know dimension that right right right. It's it's just it's interesting because I feel like I don't know about you guys, but when I see the Dimension logo come up, I kind of know what I'm in for, right? Like yeah. on some yeah. level, it feels like a precursor of like this is what's what's coming, um, and and I do think that that sort of is in this lane that you're talking about of like campy horror genre things that are just you know perhaps self-aware, sometimes not self-aware. I mean, it's like the antithesis of what A24 is doing, right? Yeah. Which yeah. is like, that stuff is like artsy horror, 
high-minded, you know, pseudo-intellectual, what have you. The, the, the comp is obviously Blumhouse, right? The, right, right, right. The modern, yeah. the modern comp is Blumhouse, but... But that's elevated. Wouldn't you say Blumhouse is elevated dimension? I, w- I would say Dimension thought it was elevated too, right? <laughs> like, I would say that at the time, Dimension thought they were yeah. doing a little, you know, a, a little more elevated horror than your typical kind of, you know, fucking right. William Castle shit. So, <laughs> um... <laughs> So I, I think, yeah, but, but the difference between, yeah, Blumhouse and Dimension is um, Dimension seems very cynical to me, right? Sure, sure. Very much like these are what the young idiots like. Right, uh, right. So very bloody, very violent, very sexualized, like very just occasionally a Guillermo del Toro would do a film for him, occasionally get things like the Scream franchise. But for the most part, it was just like, you know, hack up little teens. Whereas I think for the most part, Blumhouse uh, is not so cynical with what they do. I think for the most, I I think for the most part, they're 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 creator first, story first. Um, Yeah, they're they're pretty auteur driven for for all intents and purposes, which I think is interesting. I mean, so in terms of this particular franchise, if you will, which is birthed by uh, obviously the first from Dust Till Dawn, which comes out in ninety. Four ninety six. It's ninety six. I, I think 96. it's yeah. I think it's okay. right before Batman and Robin. It is right. Yeah. It is right. So right. it's kind of Clooney in ninety six had one fine day and from dusk till dawn, which is and then kind Batman of an amazing double bill. Um, <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, kind of an this amazing. This one's more amazing than that. I mean, from dusk till dawn, like it's he, George. It was not obvious that George Clooney <laughs> would be able to pull that off at that. I time. agree. So, I mean, I would argue there are people that think. You know, they might not have pulled it off. That being said, <laughs> George Clooney pulled it off. Pull, yes, yeah. yes, 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 yeah. yes. I think that what's interesting about this, right, is that you've got Robert Rodriguez, Quentin Tarantino, who are both sort of, you know, obviously cresting a bit here off of him, off of uh, uh, El Mariachi Desperado, Tarantino off of Pulp Fiction. They're both Weinstein guys for good or bad. And uh, they decide to come together to do this film together. Um, and then subsequently they would do this grindhouse debacle a few years later, which would be unbelievably <laughs> expensive. And, um, but, but all that being said, uh, it, it's, they're kind of a match made in heaven. And yet at the same time, they're kind of not. Like there's something about Rodriguez that feels, and I, I'm not shitting on Rodriguez, but there's something about his stuff that feels just a little bit more budget, a little bit sillier, a little bit kind of like not, taking the whole thing kind of seriously tarantino feels like more of like a film guy right like there's there's more i don't know how you feel about brenda but what do you think no i kind of agree with that i i didn't get a chance to rewatch the first for this but like it's yeah. in it's like ingrained in my memory because sure. like when i was like i mean i'm a white guy growing up in like the late 90s and 2000s so like tarantino sure. meant a lot to me and when sure. i found out this uh that existed i was like wow this is like crazy and mm-hmm. and that I, I would have probably listed the original as like one of my favorite movies when I was like 15 but yeah absolutely but yeah. but um I I don't know how well it does come together I mean Tarantino is terrible in it and casting oh. himself in it is like the worst he's, but he really derails almost every scene he's in he does and it's it's really tough to watch for that first uh hour or so but yeah but I I like what it's going for with trying to blend genre kind of unexpectedly like i was thinking about this the other day when i was rewatching predator because predator does that pretty well too with like being sure. a men on a mission movie and then becoming a slasher movie halfway through and i i think that does it a lot better than from dust till dawn but um 
I I agree with you that I think they're as friendly as they are with one another. I think their sensibilities don't line yeah. up completely. Yeah. And, and and it's like you said, it's it's no slight against Rodriguez, but no. his his films do just feel cheaper than Tarantino's, and I don't think that that ever coalesces when they do try to work together. I mean, I love the Grindhouse stuff, but I think Tarantino's movie in that is unambiguously better than Rodriguez's. Oh, we oh talked about this. Yeah, we yeah. talked about this a couple of days ago. It's yeah. not even. Well, I mean, one is one is good, one is bad. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like I think, I think Planet Terror is truly unwatchable. But yes. and I think that that does kind of, and I think those two their worst movies. Uh, and I think it does kind of, to me at least, say I, I think Death Proof might be Tarantino's worst movie. I think it's close. Yeah. I've come around on it, but I, I don't know. I go back and forth a little bit. I, what do I'm you think a, is his worst? This is a really unpopular opinion, but I don't love Django Unchained. Sure, I don't think that's popular. Yeah, but I, don't, I don't think it's. <laughs> oh, I, I don't know. I thought people liked that. So, um, I mean, listen, but, he won the Oscar for it, so I mean, that's true. Well, what, he I, has he has nine nine movies, right? Very famously, yeah. nine movies. I mean, yeah. I think he's one of those uh, those directors where. I, I think Paul Thomas Anderson's one. You can't really, if you say X, Y, or Z is your favorite film, yeah. um, you can't really be held accountable for that. They, they're yeah. all kind of worth your, you know, um, worthy of the slot uh, given yeah. a certain person, with the uh, notable exception of Death Proof. But <laughs> I, I mean, it's a, it's a, yeah. I, I actually like the the thing about seeing Death Proof in the theater was like I, I'm so. I'm, bored out of my mind in Planet Terror. Like, the trailers are fun. I don't know if I want to sit through another fucking hour and a half movie. And Death Proof is not the worst in the world. It does have this, like, this palate cleanser type thing. Mm-hmm. It's pretty simple. It flies. I love Kurt Russell. Like, I think the I think yeah. the conceit of it's great. I think on its own it would have been kind of fun. But um, I do, I think Robert Rodriguez is, like, Nader is pretty fucking low. Yeah, for sure. And I think uh, Tarantino's is not that low. Uh, I think for Dust from Dust Till Dawn, it's pretty fucking great, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. I think yeah, it's, yeah. I no, think I think, it's a, yeah, yeah. I think it's a pretty great movie. I think it takes like it takes, and I think we we you see it in the sequels how kind of one notey and straight liney they are. Yeah. Um, the inclusion of Harvey Keitel and his children is fucking brilliant yeah. like the That's grounding fair. that film they get to have your kid can eat it too in juliette just, lewis is great i mean they're all great. Yeah. you have this unbelievably horrible character in tarantino who you're hoping will fucking get it you have clooney who's <laughs> irredeemable as well but you know he's a character you want to follow he's very magnetic and yeah um you understand his motivation and then you have these you know this this incredibly tight strong nuclear family led by harvey Keitel in one of my favorite roles of he's his really good he's, just, yeah. he just, he's excellent in it he really yeah, is yeah. he just reminds he and, and especially because i love for whatever reason we've had harvey Keitel movies Holy a decent amount on this podcast yeah i feel like we're talking about he, him he was everywhere in the 90s so that oh, yeah. watched, makes a lot of sense yeah like, yeah and uh, yeah, and it's always fun for me, at least, to re- you know, Carver Cattell in some of his more famous films, Pulp Fiction or Reservoir Dogs or whatever, is playing, you know, the wolf. He's playing, uh, you know, criminals and tough guys and whatever. But this guy is the actor's actor, yeah. right? Like yeah. the actor's actor of all actors. And it's always fun to see him play something um, with a little more, you know, kind of vulnerability. Yeah, um, for sure. I think it's also worth saying too that, you know, as much as the first movie 
there's clearly sort of a line in the sand where they kind of try to fuse these two genres together. It works relatively well, and it shows how not well it works in these two <laughs> films. You know what I mean? Like, they're both trying to blend genres. Uh, the first film is called Texas Blood Money. The second film is called Hangman's Daughter. And I feel like both of them are, you know, structurally going for a similar idea and shows how fucking hard it is to do, right? Like, even if the first one doesn't totally nail it, it gets really, really close. It, it's it's true, and I don't know how much like you you want. I'm allowed to jump ahead or anything. No, no, please go, go, go. Okay, because because uh, and I, I forget the subtitles for both. But Texas Blood Money is the second, right? That's yeah. The second, yeah. Yes. Um, you can see like there's a. I mean, it's directed by Scott Spiegel, who's like a Sam Raimi guy, and yep. the, this movie feels like sub Sam Raimi. But then it's trying to inject like Tarantino dialogue, but written by like a 13 year old. Like there's like a lot of digressions about like. I had in my notes like the finer aspects of porn and it's like oh my god the porn and, scene in particular was like Whoa. and it's just that stuff's embarrassing but when he like goes all in on just trying to be Sam Raimi it, it's a blast but again like they can't they can't square that circle and I think the third one fails harder at that but but um yeah like, oh, I, all right so I like the third one better Sorry, oh really yes. oh oh well, wow so surprise interesting yes. okay significantly better <laughs> interesting and I'll get that's, into that's it that's interesting I'll get okay. into it. I, all right. Well, I, think exciting, sec- yeah. I think the second one is nigh unwatchable. <laughs> See, uh, interesting. I love the last like half hour of the second one. I, yeah, I same. Think, and I think like inverting what happens in the first with like them being surrounded by vampires, but this time the vampires are surrounded by cops. I thought that was really cool. But um, yeah, uh, it. I actually, I like a lot of the third one when it's being a western like when it's a straight up western i'm like this is great like i kind of am really enjoying this and then when they all converge and it becomes a vampire movie that's when it lost me which is weird because that's what we were there for but yeah i i mean i'm so i i'm the first one sorry the second one (laughs) texas blood money i was never bored now I don't oh, know that I, I was, was ever okay. That's fine. That's fine. <laughs> I, I, for me, the first uh, Texas Blood Bunny at least had energetic camera work. It at least was sort of like when I got. Let me rephrase. I got bored once we got to the bank. Um, the the, the bank heisty component of it until it becomes a full-on bloodbath was a little right. bit boring it, it was um, very boring. Yeah. But at least there was like energetic camera work. At least there was like shit going on. When I watched Hangman's Daughter, I was just sort of like, where are the vampires? Like, it took a very long time to become a vampire movie, like an hour of an hour and a half. That's so not true. It, it is true. I looked at the fucking time code. The vampires it's show up an true. hour into the movie. They do. T- all right. All right. Whatever you say. <laughs> you, you, 45 you, minutes. I, I know because I, I know because I, I watched it in two segments and I stopped when the vampires came. But whatever. It's the same I, idea. I, I, I let me just give a very brief synopsis of these two films, a little bit of context for the people that haven't seen this film, which I imagine are everybody. Uh, yeah. te- uh, from Dust Dawn 2, Texas Blood Money, a veteran criminal planning a major bank robbery, Buck, played by Robert Patrick, assembles a team to pull off the heist. When the fugitive Luther tries to, sorry, travels to meet the crew in Mexico, he unexpectedly ends up near a bar in the middle of the desert and gets turned into a vampire by one of the establishment's bang sporting regulars before long luther joins his fellow uh, felons at the bank but his newfound blood-sucking ways result in plenty of fierce human and vampire conflict 
this third film, The Handmaid's Daughter, uh, the synopsis is an executioner's daughter joins an outlaw who escaped death in a journey to lead to vampires. Very <laughs> succinct. Uh, both these That's films the we mentioned were released in 1999. Uh, both straight to video. Texas Blood Money came out March 16th, 99. Handmaid's Daughter came out October 31st, 99. Uh, played, the Blood festival, Blood... Sir, played the festival. Played the festival circuit. circuit. Yeah, just, just nailed the, uh, yeah, the, it I was in TIFF. It... One of them was in competition at Cannes, probably. Yes, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Uh, Texas Blood Bunny has 9% on Rotten Tomatoes from critics, 20% from audiences. Uh, Bilga Abiri, uh, past and future guest, gave the film a <laughs> D minus. Road oh, no. without the genre bending goofiness and engaging characters of the first desk, all that's left Way is harsh. cheap splatter effects and cliched Western horror homages. Uh, Nathan, uh, Nathan Rabin of the AV Club called it a gigantic waste of everyone's time, <laughs> money, and energy. The Hangman's Daughter, however, has 22% on Rotten Tomatoes from critics, 23% from audiences, and the AV Club wrote, being competent is no great achievement, but for undiscriminating gore fans, it should be enough to make Dawn 3 a passable evening's entertainment. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's fair. I, I mean, <laughs> listen, I, I, I want to just go into uh, Texas Blood Money quickly, and then we'll go into the other, and we'll do them in sequence. You know, This is a tight mythology, guys. So we really need to kind of... <laughs> unpack it uh chronologically um the here's the other thing about texas blood money kenny that i don't know if you appeal to you or not but there is more of like a honestly like a hitchcockian vibe they straight up oh sure yeah they straight up steal from psycho uh they straight up steal from any number of things i i like the bruce campbell opening i liked them trapped in the elevator i just again like it just it was just the bar so low for me on these films, Kenny. Like I'm not going in with the, any the expectations. Bruce, the, the Bruce Campbell opening. So I'll just tell you what the opening. It's at is. least stylish. It's the, a movie within a movie. It's not stylish. It's lame. Okay. It's awful. It's and it's Tiffany Amber Thiessen. Some of the some of the worst. And I she's get bad. that. Like she's bad. And I get that. It's but but my 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 point is like. Mm-hmm. Even going for what it's even what it's going for, which is I think you know some kind of cold opening, misdirect. This is the movie you think you're getting. It's not the real movie. This is a lot worse than the real movie you're about to get. It's so <laughs> it's so lame and boring, and I did not like that. But uh, you know, I I did not hate. I, I actually didn't hate either one of these movies. Yeah, no, hate yeah, didn't me hate the, yeah. I didn't even hate the first one. Nigh Unwatchable is a little mean. I, I think it's <laughs> I think it's uh I, I think I think it's a little more rote, to be honest. Um I think it the is ending, for sure. I, and I think the ending was a little um lacking in imagination and creativity. Uh I <laughs> I, I know it's I, like, I know it's a low bar, but the eclipse just drove me fucking drew me crazy <laughs> yeah, i was like what is the logic of this if it was a if, if it was a better movie i would have thought it was um i would have thought it was you know just just inspired yeah. uh <laughs> if it was like an edgar wright movie i would have just thought yes. like yeah. oh my god you did it again edgar but uh <laughs> at that point it's just like you guys you guys didn't earn this absurd thing at the end of this film um so that bothered me but uh, to the Bruce Campbell thing, I think yeah. this movie probably could have used him as the lead. Which it, it's sure. weird that he it's weird that he wasn't. Maybe he had a million other things to do at that time. I agree with that. 
but I'm sure he did this as a favor. Evil Dead Two yeah. writer calls him up and says, "Hey," and producer of the first was like, "Hey, will you do a day on in an elevator for me?" Yeah, yeah. but I, I love Robert Patrick, but he's definitely like sleepwalking yeah. through this movie, and I just yeah. you, you could have used. I mean, Raymond Cruz could have been the lead of this movie. He's great in this. Yeah. Like Tuco, show um, it up, Tuco, yeah. always great. Yeah, yeah. and I, um, there's a lot of good people in this. I mean, I, I would. I mean, honestly, Dwayne Whitaker who. I believe is in Pulp Fiction, right? He's the the the, the guy, shop, the shop owner, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. He's not Zed. Zed's uh, Peter. No, Green, he's the I one. Think. Yeah, he's the yeah. one who gets kind of the uh, the the sword across his stomach. That, yeah, yes. right. Yeah. He's the fly trap, if you will. But yeah, I I feel like he's pretty good in this. Brett Harrelson, who, by the way, I really loved in People versus Larry Flint, and never saw him again. This is yeah. the second time I've seen him. He he, he doesn't really act. I mean, I like not. He people was his life was more or less his first role, right? Uh, and he really just never he like it was kind of a failure to launch situation. I mean, I just right. I looked it up a little bit, you know. Um, he came out to like kind of ride Woody's coattails, and Woody at that point had you know had already been on Cheers and already done one weekend jump and decent proposal, all the great movies of all time. He's already a movie star. Um, and he uh, <laughs> and and yeah, Britt Harrelson never really took. I didn't realize yeah. his career was that bad where his second most no where his second most noteworthy worthy performances from dust told on to texas blood Bunny, um, where he played where he played ray bob the idiot but <laughs> and weirdly the last person to die like he, they yeah, made it seem like he was yeah. the big the big guy to kill and you're like but wait yeah where did this come <laughs> from yeah. Yeah. I, that is pretty sad that yeah his second biggest movie is a movie that even bruce campbell was beneath appearing in for more than five oh, minutes I, I mean, I think that 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 Texas Blood Money feels more derivative is the thing, right? Like, I think that Kenny's right in saying that that Hangman's daughter feels a little bit more like a fully formed thing. Yeah, you know sure. what I mean. Like, yeah. it's and, and and perhaps it's just because it's a little low, a little more lo-fi in a weird way. Like, I actually think that too. Yeah. I, I think, think Heyman's daughter is is more low is a little more like terrestrial in a weird it way. Is. Like it feels more character based. It's a very weird thing because I am someone who just within my my child, my inner child, I um like like I I am not someone who runs to see period or who runs to mm-hmm. see westerns. Mm-hmm. I watch I watch them because I am forced to. Um <laughs> And so it's not as if I don't often love period and Western yeah, films, sure. but it's, it's not generally something that I get excited about, but for, but after watching Texas blood money two and not knowing anything about Hangman's daughter, except the title, I was yep. overjoyed that it was period. The last thing I wanted was to spend any more time. I immediately, I looked it up. I'm like, is this period? Please be period. Please be period. <laughs> Cause the last thing I wanted to do was spend any more time in the, you know, the, yeah, sure. the modern world of uh titty twister vampires little did we know that's where we were going with that but i really did i really enjoyed the vibe of uh hangman's daughter a lot i thought the performances uh were pretty great yeah they they definitely were uh not to jump ahead we can go back to oh no no, but i agree with you because for the first like three quarters of the movie i was like pretty into it i thought it was like kind of gorgeous for being a low budget you know western it it looked great it opens really well yeah yeah and and you have like kind of a nuts cast i mean tamora morrison's in it 
uh, or yep. Orlando Jones shows up. Who I believe he's been on your guys' show, right? Like, <laughs> yes, he, he's, well, he's he Bill's old friend. Oh, yeah, from, yeah, yeah. So, um, but yeah, I thought it was well acted. I think where the movie lost me is when it also becomes derivative of the first and ends up becoming like a bloodbath. It, it, it kind of this is such a weird comparison, but to me, that the final act of the movie kind of felt like very similar to star trek into darkness where they try to cram one movie into the final <laughs> yes, yes yes half hour yeah. where like yep. they tried to do wrath of Khan, this tried to do the first from dusk till dawn yep. and that's where it lost me but like all of the lead up to them converging on like the i, I don't know what what you would call it the pre-titty twister <laughs> sure, <laughs> like, sure. Uh, yeah. yeah all of that was great and i was i was really into that i just it it was and i thought michael parks was like excellent mm-hmm. in it in it excellent yeah. yeah and he's he's the kind of guy that like it doesn't matter what movie he's in he's gonna show up and yep i i love that guy he was I, great you know I, how many I, you know how many wives he had no five no. wives wow good for wow. him pretty good I right I, I do think that <laughs> i think that part of it too is to compare the two i think that the influences of that are on uh, Texas Blood Money are a little more incongruent than the influences on Heyman's daughter. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I sure. feel as though, in theory, the idea of one of the Evil Dead guys doing a From Dust Till Dawn movie makes sense. But you mentioned this earlier, Brendan. The the uh, the Tarantino influence fucks it up for him. Like, yeah. if he if he just allowed himself to do a straight up kind of schlocky horror film, I think it would have worked better than injecting this crime component into it that d- feels outside his wheelhouse. You know, there's great, sh- I mean, I, I really loved the camera work in, in Texas Blood Money. The, the vampire teeth cam. I love that. Oh, that, was, that was fun. Yeah, like, they, 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 they definitely had fun with that. You know, I think, I, I think that, that's to me where some of the Tarantino influence was felt. You know how Tarantino loves yep. doing his uh, his trunk shots or whatever. Sure, yeah, that like, was there was that, that movie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there was a shot inside the coiled wire of a telephone that yeah. was kind was of the, fun. The, the uh, safe camera angle when he's yeah. turning the dial of the safe and the camera's turning the way that the safe's was, turning. I was and as I, I before I watched them, Phil, mm-hmm. you know, you can tell. I mean, if there's the the opposite of a period western for me, it's a heist film, which is I will see any heist film, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, at any time. And I was very excited for that, so maybe my bar was just too high. But um, it's, it's a it bad a sh- heist movie. It is shitty ass heist. It's it's <laughs> the worst. It's the worst part of the movie. Like the heist is, and it, yeah. it, it and it could be fun. I mean, it just it could be fun, like. Vampire heist, vampire bank heist movie in theory could be fun. Yeah. Also, like just in terms of this almost, and I know they made the the show from Dust Till Dawn, which I never watched. Yeah. But building out this like purge-esque world Mm -hmm. where there is this area in Mexico where that is kind of like overrun, overridden by vampires. <laughs> and these different people find themselves in situations where they can't get away from the vampires uh, for the 12 hours of darkness or the 10 hours of darkness or whatever it is. And they're just trying to survive until daylight. That's a cool concept to build these things around. And I do think that there's, there's life in that. The way I, I think The Purge, you know, is kind of an evergreen format. Um, and the show makes sense. The the the, the idea of a show 
within the the universe of the purge makes tons of sense because there's so many different stories you can play there uh i think they missed the mark with i do too two, but i think i i can see you know that being a really great you know kind of episode eight or episode nine of an anthology thing mm-hmm. it just doesn't feel like they had kind of figured out that this is what they could be doing with this, uh, you know, w- with with the DNA they have here. Maybe until the TV show, which I don't, I don't even know. I don't know the show. Have you? You've seen the show, right? No, Brian? I haven't seen the show either. You know, it's interesting as you were talking, Kenny. I was thinking about another vampire movie that I think could conceivably be a good show too, which has a somewhat similar conceit, which is Thirty Days of Night, um, mm-hmm. which is the. Um, you know, there there is a what you're talking about, Kenny. The idea of purge esque scenario, a situation where there's a ticking clock. If it's a fucking eclipse, if it's a whatever that forces a small town or a, a certain area to to grapple with vampires, is fertile ground, right? Like, I'm not surprised. I, it's funny as I was watching these films, I was thinking like, it's crazy. They made three films. They've done two television shows. I, I there there's the potential of more. And there's like no mythology here. Like they they've done so little of the of just the the very basic work of what about just... Santanico Pandemonium. <laughs> <laughs> what about right. I, you know what I, what I really back, what I really loved is and we it's so funny because we had Orlando Jones on the podcast because he, he had a very big 1999. But we, we didn't talk about this. It. We just ignored oh, we, it. Like, yeah, we just they, straight up ignored. Literally, it. we're like, all right. So he was in was in Office Space. He was in Magnolia. Magnolia. Was cut. Liberty what was the Heights. Third one he was in? Liberty Heights. And we're just like, all right, so we've seen these three movies, three big, <laughs> you know, kind of three big auteurs, yeah. directors, yeah. like, that'll be so exciting. And then he was in this fourth movie, and like, we're like, we're never going to do that. And then, you know, when here we are. I Reddit genuinely tweeted what, he, guess, Reddit tweeted what he tweeted, and we're like, ha, ha, ha. I bet, he, I bet he had a blast doing this film. Um, you know what I mean? Put that fucking makeup on. Oh, without fun. question. I'm sure, I'm sure it was a blast. You know how we um, had, you know, you know we had a blast? Because mm. there are scenes where he is just background and he is yeah. still like chewing yeah. the scenery. It's, it's very, yeah. it's very like Brad Pitt and Burn After Reading, where you look in the background and he's just doing something. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's it's a really. I mean, both of these films. It's funny because like talking about them now, I'm coming around on them a lot more than I than as I was watching them, yeah, and I don't know if that's a symptom of the fact that they're just not very good and they're fun to talk about. <laughs> Uh, which is possible but like as i was watching them there is something about this type of film and you know this better than anybody brandon i'm sure of just it's not even turn your brain off but it's just like there's something really fun and escapist about it and i think that that's why it's such a you know a successful genre of, of of movies these dtv movies that we're talking about yeah, I, th- I I think that's true. And I was thinking about while you were talking, Kenny, about um, expanding this kind of world a bit and all the things you can do. And I think that's what excites me so much about DTV when it's done well, mm-hmm. um, because I don't know how well these movies expand it, although the third one kind of does. I think the yes. third one, yes. uh, going into a period piece like that, is like kind of inspired and, and a little exciting I, I wish that i had liked it more but i'm kind of turning around on it like you said phil but yeah. um but i think dtv at its best can take something that you kind of vaguely remember and do something cool with it but i think that you have to like put the effort in obviously mm-hmm. i mean uh, not not to go back to scott atkins again but like the undisputed yeah. movies 
I think it's brilliant that the sequel to Undisputed brings back uh, Ving Rhames' character, and he's the villain in the original. He's the hero of the sequel, and Scott Adkins is the villain. And then the third movie is Scott Adkins yeah. is the hero. So they, they didn't. Undisputed's like the the prison. It starts with a yeah. prison fight. Yeah, it's Wesley Snipes and uh, Ving Rhames, and then I, they and they the, break out of that. Yeah. Yeah, well, and well, they're all prison movies, but the second one brings brings. Oh, I didn't mean things. break out of prison, yeah, but so. oh no, 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 no. <laughs> but, but yeah, like they just they they found this fun formula until Scott Adkins showed up, and then everyone loved his character so much that the series just became about him. But but yeah, like I think that there's like cool opportunities to take something people vaguely remember, like, and just do something neat with it. Like there is just a sequel to uh, the Arnold Schwarzenegger movie Eraser that just came out a few weeks ago. I haven't watched it yet, but. But wow. um, yeah, it's just like I think that there's who's the fun... lead in that? Uh, I saw that too. Uh, I can't remember his name. It's somebody. He well, not somebody. He he <laughs> used to be somebody. I think um... that is the most damning thing I've ever heard about. <laughs> he's somebody. Oh, he's not somebody. Oh, wait, he used to be somebody. A racer. A racer. Reborn. Yeah, reborn. Starring. Uh, British actor sure. John Dominic Sherwood. You maybe I'm wrong. Dominic maybe, Sherwood. Maybe he was Racer Reborn. Thank God. Did he die at the end of the first one? I don't remember a racer. All that I, 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 the only thing I remember about a racer is I vaguely remember a cool airplane sequence. Yeah, that's all yeah. I. Remember. I saw a racer in the theaters, and I, oh, I wow. kind of distinctly remember Ebert's review of it, where mm. he said essentially. Schwarzenegger's the new James Bond. That the, every Schwarzenegger movie is doing the thing James Bond movies used to do, which is new gadgets, new guns, new new locales, wow. new girls. And he was very, uh, I think he was effusive. So I saw it because of that in '96 because his word was uh, his word was God, and sure. I don't remember the movie at all. But I also <laughs> don't understand why a racer is yeah. the kind of thing that goes direct to video and doesn't like get like a big reboot like these other stupid yeah movies. why is this piece of ip not worthy and yet you know whatever the fuck gets you know a, a 10 hour limited i mean I not know. to well, not, I, mean, I, I know the answer to this to, to the one i'm posing but like uh no one no one remembers american gigolo in in real life i mean i know right. people i know people know american gigolo we obviously both watched American Jiggle in the last couple of years. We did. Uh, I listened to I listened to Katrina Logworth's entire mm-hmm. fucking run, and I know how influential it is. And I love Paul Schrader, so make that clear if you want to. <laughs> you want to clip this, Brandon? It's nothing to do with Paul Schrader, but that movie is forty years old. That movie is no, forty true. fucking yeah. years old, and it's not as if like people are clamoring for a new American Gigolo series. Now, don't get me wrong; it looks great and it may do well because it's a very provocative um, and very provocative title. Berenthal yeah, yeah. is super fucking cool, and I love him too. But if it's John very... Berenthal was playing the Eraser, people <laughs> yeah. might be into that too. Yeah, yeah. and well, I think just on the American Gigolo thing, I think it's as much as I love that movie, like you said, and as cool as the show looks, it's also seems like it's geared directly for twitter <laughs> like yes like yes film, yes, film yes. twitter specifically and i don't know how big that audience is so i guess we'll see but like i think, I th- I think we're a- approximately 80 percent of it on this podcast right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah so i do think it is it is interesting that like i mean first of all, i'll be curious to see what this eraser to i mean if it even i mean i didn't know it existed so if it makes any 
I think they'll be thrilled. No, um, no, no. it's uh, it's you. You will never watch this. Is it no, on? Is it VOD? <laughs> it's VOD. Yeah, yeah. it's. Okay. The, the only reason I'm slightly interested is the director of it. And this was kind of something I was uh, looking into when we were, when I was watching these two movies as well, is this director, uh, the director of Eraser is known for like this kind of thing, like <laughs> a movie I ride really hard for, which is probably not that great as Deep Blue Sea 3, another movie he did. And I tell I, people- Is oh, that the one Danielle Savory is in or is she in two? She's in two. Yeah, uh, I forget who the lead in the third one is. She's somebody I didn't know they did a Tanya Raymond. Yeah, she's awesome. Like she's okay. really good in the third one. But but I always tell people like Deep Blue Sea Three is great. It's the best since the first. And like, <laughs> but, but um, Deep Blue Sea Three makes Deep Blue Sea Two look like Deep Blue Sea One. Is that? Yeah, the... it's just a new <laughs> I, I think it's the opposite. <laughs> I think it's but, Deep Blue Sea. Two makes Deep Blue Sea three look like Deep Blue Sea one. You know, whatever you go. I'm like, I'm I'm fascinated by like these kind of careers. Like, I'm pretty sure it was the From Dust Till Dawn three guy. I was looking at his filmography, Mm -hmm. and like four out of his six movies, like I'm looking at it right now, are just sequels, and they're just sequels to things that most people probably didn't even know existed, like Lost Boys, The Tribe, uh, Smoke and Aces two, Sniper three, and it's just like so funny. Like I was just. Falling they made into a smoking hole. aces too. Yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, they, it, that that kind, you know, it's, uh, it's interesting that like those movies that kind of teeter on the edge mm-hmm. of um, hesitate to use this word, but I'll use it anyway. Problematic, mm-hmm. right? Those movies that like ju- a smoking aces is a really good example. Snipers a really good example. These movies that like if if you want to go into those movies and, and make the case that they are trying, that they are promoting the, the wrong things, you can very easily make those cases. Those movies very often spawn sure. direct to sure. DVD sequels. <laughs> um, and again, can be pushed in the exact wrong direction by the wrong filmmakers or can be recontextualized by the right directors and have some really interesting things happen with them. But it might be a cool kind of, you know, shortcut to the top, Phil, for us to write something that's Can really you imagine you know, if we did that? borderline problematic sure, and then sure. build for, for theatrical release and hope it makes like 25 mil and then build out an entire universe of like very problematic stuff. <laughs> well, I feel like there was we, we were talking about doing a movie, a TV version of something recently that was like I can't remember what it was now, but it was something something akin to what you're talking about. Some, there was something I don't know I can't remember what it was. Was going to be I, good I or bad? Uh, I think it was going to be bad. I don't think it was going to be good. Could, I don't think that we could, were because the, the problem is sometimes we really do it and then we devote I know, like, then we months to... of our lives to something that's really bad. <laughs> yeah. I just wouldn't, no, I wouldn't I, put uh, yeah. would, wouldn't put all your chips into a. Uh, any finding any success out of dtv though because like there's like yeah. legitimately great filmmakers in that zone who when i'm watching their movies i'm like why isn't this guy making a marvel movie instead of like a guy who made one yeah. sundance movie and then so what do you think the answer to that is this is interesting I, I don't know because one of my good twitter friends um his name's liam o'donnell he wrote the first skyline movie and mm. i've told him this i think the first skyline's terrible but he's direct he d- directed like two follow-ups to it which are like great uh beyond skyline and skylines and they're directed dvd movies and they're like really ambitious uh the second one Mm. combines like indonesian martial arts with like kaiju stuff which is insane and um 
I, I think he has like legitimate chops to be doing more than what he's doing. And I, I mean, I think he knows that too, but I'm not sure why. I, I don't know when, when this shift happened or if there ever was a pipeline from doing that kind of movie to doing like some, you know, something Marvel related. Cause that's kind of all there is right now, but it's, it's just, it's so frustrating to me. Like I love Chloe Zhao, but I don't understand what the through line was from what well, she's yeah. doing to Marvel, or I don't understand, you know, I'm trying to think of, there, there was another one recently. It's that, you're bringing up a good point. Cause I, I do think, you know, first of all, I think that there's a, unfortunately there's a stink that probably comes with the DTV yeah. stuff, right. Which Without is very question. hard to shake. And I think that, you know, once you're there, you can work consistently, right? Like, I'm sure that these people are, are doing just fine. Um, that being said, breaking out of it, nearly impossible. Well, on yeah. The Chloe, yeah. On the Chloe Zhao side, I think that that's one of those things where, I mean, at least from what I've read, you know, took a meeting with Marvel because I think that Kevin Feige, the idea of auteurs is interesting to him. And she's a big comic book fan and the rest is history. But I know what you're saying. It's, it's a little well, bit. Yeah, I think, well, she, I think, was legitimately interested in doing one. So she was probably like not the best example, but it's just like, yeah, I, I watch a lot of these mainstream action movies and I just like, John Wick aside, I, I, I get really hung up on like how bad the fight choreography is and how bad like the, the editing and the way they shoot it is. And it's just frustrating because I see these guys doing it for much less in DTV. And I'm just like, these guys are like shooting some of the best fights anyone will ever see and nobody's watching it. And they're not getting the chance to do this in a big, bigger space. And, um, uh, and just to tie it back to what we're talking about, yeah. none of that's apparent in these two movies, but, <laughs> no, but, I, um, but forget uh, what we're talking about. This is more interesting because well, yeah. I want to go, cause I know really, I mean, this is yeah. the, the, to me, this is the fun of this podcast is, you know, forgetting 1999 talking about today. <laughs> What's the point? It's only relevant if, you know, it's only relevant, you know, today you, because as you know, as David Simon said, remember when is the lowest form of conversation. So let's talk about the now. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think that I think this is a really interesting thing, and and a couple of thoughts come up as you as you're you're talking. One is, Phil, as you said, there's this stink with this direct TV stuff. Part of that it reminds me a little bit of when reality TV started, and I was a PA on a reality show, and it was made very clear to me that there's no there there is no pass. These two roads do not meet. They kind of meet at the end. Like if you become Mark Burnett, if you become Ryan Seacrest maybe you can executive produce a scripted show sure. but for, for the rest of it these roads do not meet and there is no reason if you want to be scripted to go any further than that reality road um advice i took because it made a lot of sense to me. i think it's somewhat similar that mm. if you want to be in you know kind of more mainstream higher budget uh films you should not go down the uh the the path of direct tv the other thing you're saying to me that I think is interesting is my guess is most people in Hollywood forget about, you know, like, like thinking that they suck. They, they don't even know they exist. They don't even acknowledge them. They don't even watch them. They don't even consider them. And it sounds like an inefficiency in the marketplace. It sounds like that there is a real opportunity here for people to kind of 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Take these uh, guys and girls from, you know, directors to writers to fight choreography choreographers stuntmen and stunt choreographers and actors uh, and editors and who put in what i what seems like they're you know they're ten thousand hours it seems like the beatles playing in fucking germany um and and give them a shot with something else now you know to me like fuck marvel let them you know let them drown i mean uh in their mediocrity <laughs> but um there does the, the other action movies are getting made Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're getting made by the same boring people. Like I just right before the podcast, I said, uh, Phil, some quote that one of the Russos had about the gray uh, man, uh, which is, I believe. Oh, like a... Those two guys are the worst. <laughs> yeah, just... I don't know. What, I don't know what happened to them, but like now they're shitting on the theatrical experience. They're, and I mean, I just don't get it. They're just I, Whatever. I don't know about them that much. I, I, I stand by what I said to you, Phil, which is like, these guys are the two best TV directors in the world. Yep. They, and, yeah, definitely. definitely. And, Mar- and Marvel movies are essentially just, you know, giant TV shows. They didn't create the, pa- they didn't, they didn't create the palette. They didn't create the format. They didn't create the structure. They stepped into it. They, they thrive in that. And everything they've done theatrically outside of that have been, you know, turkeys. Um, yeah, and welcome like, to Collingwood. Like, not a great cherry. Wood, cherry is a, one of the great turkeys of all time. Like the, there's so many. The, Cherry's a really good example of the kind of movie that if you had someone who knew what they were doing, yeah, it should be that movie should have been really good. Yeah. That that story of that guy had been sought after for years. Like that that is a really strong piece of uh of ip that that you can graft a lot of cool shit on top of yep and they gave it to the wrong guys and i mean look you make the biggest movie of all time i get you i guess you get your your shots but yeah these movies do get made um and i do think that it's time to paul call i think he's gotten a shot but a guy like john himes up to the bigs right yeah well he's i think he worked on um yeah, he he worked on. There was that Netflix zombie. I, I think it was Netflix. There was a zombie show on Netflix um, that I can't remember the name of right now. I think Black is in the title. I don't okay. remember, but but he's also from what I've heard, Black, he's worked Black Summer. Yeah, and I hear that's good, but um, I haven't seen it. Uh, I just not My, a big zombie. zombie not guy, not to shit on Black Summer, uh, <laughs> but I think I just 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 and I haven't seen it, but just for some context. Our of our former guest, my good friend Delandra Williams, writes on it and oh, okay. wrote on Z Nation as well. And those are asylum shows. 
So oh, okay. See, yeah, yeah. They're they're legit asylum shows. They're you know they're guild asylum shows, but that's still those those are the people who have watched everything he's done. Mm-hmm. So uh, you know maybe that'll be the way for him to to cross over. But that's well, that that is still like kind of one foot in the asylum world. I was just googling it because I there was something that was announced with him in during the pandemic, and it kind of got lost to mm-hmm. everything. But um. Uh, he's supposed to be working on a Maniac Cop TV show with Nicholas Winding Refn, so oh, hopefully that comes together. But he seems like a guy that definitely has like enough ambition to get out of that because, like, we were talking about the Universal Soldier movies before. The fourth Universal Soldier movie is unlike anything I've ever seen, and I can't but, like it's it's legitimately like an art house action movie. It's it's bizarre. Watch this and, shit, Kenny. I feel like yeah, we talked about it a little bit, and then we just we were, sort of... I, you know, we were going to watch yeah. them for yeah. our Universal Soldier episode. Like we asked Tom, yeah. and he's like, "You gotta watch them." And we're just like, "What do you, what do you know?" <laughs> <laughs> and, but, um, uh, you're, you're but yeah, about, I, re- like, I really want to. Well, you're talking about a lane that people can go in. I do know that there is a company that's kind of trying. They're, they're a startup company. They just had a movie this year called Black Site with Michelle Monaghan, Jai Courtney, and the other guy that is a Jai Courtney, but also Australian that I'm sure not, not Jason Clark. That's who it is. Sure. Um, yeah. They're called Asbury Park pictures. And I think they're supposed to, the, the way they are going about their business model is they're trying to be the Blumhouse of action, mm-hmm. which is like $5 million movies send it to, I, I don't think they're going to be theatrical though, but, but I think that's a path for people to go is like, this this middle road where it's not so cheap that you're you know scrounging for money but it's enough that it's like you you have a little bit of a bedrock to work on and i i hope that's where this kind of stuff can go because i just think a lot of like hollywood modern action is kind of terrible like every clip i've seen of the gray man i'm like this could have been really cool if someone working who knew how to do action was working on it and and it's just it's frustrating and considering just the, the the shocking amount of money that these guys have to make these films, it's I mean it's it's insane. But I yeah. I, I want to actually just uh, rewind real quick to something you mentioned earlier, or to a franchise you mentioned earlier, which is John Wick. You know, I think it's interesting how, you know, when John Wick was announced, I'm not even sure if I watched the trailer for it. I knew that it existed, but it really was sort of a moment when it felt like Keanu. It was kind of, a, it, I don't want to say, I'm, right? Like he was kind of done. It, it, he was done. It seemed like a bit of a joke too. I mean, it's yeah. a bad title. It's a bad title. And the, it's a bad, it's yeah. a bad title. I don't care what anyone yeah. says. He's, yeah. The name sounds cool now, but yeah. John Wick is a, is a boring ass name. I agree. And, and it's one of those movies where the, you know, the, the, the conceit got ahead of him, which is, you know, fucking tough guy's dog gets killed and he gets revenge on everybody. That, that sounds pretty dumb. So it, it, but I want to also say that, like, it's the number one main reason why this, you know, why why Keanu is a forever star now. Yeah. Like, that was the, John Wick is the, like, never count him out, never bet against him thing. But, like, tell me that that movie, on its face, right, I was like, what is this? Like, I, it, it seemed like, it, it honestly seemed like a straight-to-video thing. And I didn't see it in the theater. And then it got these incredible reviews and everyone was talking about it. And then I rented it when it came out on, on iTunes or whatever. And I was like, yeah, I mean, this movie's this movie's legit good. And now it's this fucking, I mean, I, I can't believe it's what it is now. I mean, it's, it's absurd, but yeah. I mean, 
it, it's true. It did. It did kind of seem like a joke, and it's just now it's like the standard bearer. But I think I don't think a lot of great action. It, it's frustrating because I don't think a lot of great action has spawned from it. I think there's right. a lot of Im- imitators. I unfortunately starring women who I really like, but there's a lot of movies that feel like it. Yeah. Like there's Gunpowder Milkshake. There's Jolt on Amazon uh, with Kate Beckinsale. Like I love Karen Gillan and Kate Beckinsale, but these those both felt like they were trying to mimic like yeah. the aesthetics of john wick yeah. and they just Jen- jennifer yeah. garner had that movie oh, uh, oh right um, yeah what was that called jennifer lawrence had the film where she was like the russian spy like they're all kind uh, of these, these yeah yeah these these Peppermint. it does feel like they're, they're the yeah. yes these john wick imitators with you know i mean jennifer garner does kind of weirdly she's not well, that makes sense because ha- of aliens obviously but like she has yeah. like a forever action star you know yeah. quality to her where she you, you can plop her in and you think you might have but uh, and yeah, good call with the uh, gunpowder milkshake as well. I, I I mean, they're doing a spinoff. They're doing Ballerina, which is the Anna de Armas Weissman thing. Yeah, yeah, that's a different um, story now. Which could now be a whole that, new that, thing. That's but, be a big fucking temple. But don't you think it's interesting to kind of because it does feel like this dovetails to what you were saying, Brendan, of like John Wick became the standard bearer, right? This became the the best possible option, right? And what's crazy to me is that it didn't become a runway for a bunch of these kind of direct, like there's a bunch of people that could have held onto its coattails. And yet, and yet Hollywood was just like, no, 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 John Wick's its own thing. Like you can't be John Wick. You know what, you you know what, dude, I, we, we talked about, we did a single man on our our Patreon a couple days ago. And the only reason a single man, I think is instructed this, this conversation is that Tom Ford, you know, does not come from Hollywood or does not come from your typical director uh, pipeline, as everyone knows. He's, as, as you know, Adam B. Very said, he started in fashion. Um, sorry, <laughs> as Phil said, he started in fashion. And then Adam was very clear to say he's the Michael started Jordan. Started in fashion. fashion. Michael Jordan in fashion, you Philistine. Yeah, uh, yeah. But uh, then <laughs> the, the, the point about, and I, I always screw up his name, but it's Chad Stahelski, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Is that he was a stunt coordinator. Yep, and right. you very rarely see it. And this was his first movie directed, but you very rarely see a guy who is a stunt coordinator. Who, by the way, are in, very often second unit directors too, right? They like they're very often straight up directing the stunt mm-hmm. the stunt sequences. Yeah, they're not definitely. just you know putting it together. Like they're 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 the guys. So um, you very very rarely see those guys get their 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 movie. But I think this is kind of a version of what we're talking about with. Both with a movie like A Single Man and John Wick, which I bet have <laughs> never been used in the <laughs> But the idea is like, give unusual creative people who have a track record of success their shot. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like I what you what you were saying, Phil, is it feels like it's just stuck in this John Wick universe and it feels like Stahelski has to bring his people into this universe for them to get any kind of shot. Like like again to bring it back to Scott Adkins, he's he's cast in John Wick Four, and it's like his last Hollywood movie I think was American Assassin with Michael Keaton, and it's like that was a couple years ago, and it's like it's just sad that like I think a lot of these people have the chops to like do something. Was it Adkins in Mortal Kombat? No, no, he should have been, oh. but he wasn't. I think maybe <laughs> that was I think that was maybe what it was. Yeah, he, he, but I he do feel have. like. I think that what you're saying is absolutely true. And it is just surprising to me that of all companies, and I don't, I know this is going to sound 
you know, like faint praise. And I don't mean to be shitty, but like Lionsgate is a company that for all intents and purposes, for me anyway, sort of exists in a weird space, right? Like they bought Summit. They've always been kind of like, I just, I, there's, there's something they, about them. I that, mean, they, they pay me, which is hilarious. Which is crazy. Um, but I, But I just think that there's something about Lionsgate that I think has yet to fully, I mean, even with Hunger Games, even with these things, John I still, even with John Wick, even with these massive franchises, they still feel a little bit like the redheaded stepchild of all the big studios. Yeah. And I'm a little surprised that if you're running Lionsgate, why wouldn't you make a farm team out of these type of directors? We, it just is crazy to me. Be, I mean, we, the answer, the answer to that is, is because, um, that would be too risky for them. I think, I oh, think, sure. I think, I think the, the misnomer with, with Lionsgate is that they're small. Not right, right. The, 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 mis, the misperception is that yep. they're small because they're, they are small compared to Universal and, you know, Sony yep. and whatnot, but they're very, very, it's a very, very big company. Right. So they, they almost exclusively work with huge people. Yeah. Because they give them more, you know, they give them more uh, creative freedom than I think your, you know, your bigger places will. And that's why you see a lot of movies out of Lionsgate that seem to be like the passion project from a Rogan or a Feige or whatever, or a Feige not, um, or whatever. But I think that there are steps below Lionsgate. There are places just below Lionsgate mm-hmm. that should have that as their, their, their You're mandate. Right. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I talk about this a lot with like, just different friends and everything, but I don't think action, I think action is kind of seen as a joke if it's not attached to like Dwayne Johnson or to a Marvel movie. And, and I think that, you know, the way horror has been reevaluated over the last like 20 ish years, like as I would, I mean, I think there's always been people who have seen it as a legitimate art form, but like you have, I hate this term, but you have the elevated horror that is like making people reconsider. And it's like, oh, this can be about something, even though it always has been. And I don't think, like, I, I talk to a lot of friends who will watch an action movie and go like, oh, yeah, that was a piece of junk, but I had fun. And it's like, well, I why was that. it? Yeah, and it was like, why was it a piece of junk? If it was well-made, if it looked good, then maybe it wasn't a piece of junk. You if shouldn't you be embarrassed. It. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. And I, yeah, I just I, don't I, think it's seen as, like, a legitimate I, art form. And, I totally and now I'm going to say, now I'm going to say something annoying. And, uh, <laughs> and I think the reason for what you said which i which i agree with completely is because of the direct dv direct to dvd it, direct it is. action yeah. stuff yeah. i think the fact that it's been saturated by by you know the only time that that stuff ever kind of creeps into the consciousness are the sad bruce willis projects or the sad yeah. um you know nicholas cage projects or these things that that, mm-hmm. that have ridiculous titles and these like you know, Chad Michael Murray actors and all these people. And you're like, oh, this is where actors, this is where stars go to die. Exactly. Um, which, you know, and I think that that's why action has kind of been ghettoized to some extent with the, you know, the exceptions of the movies you're talking about or the rare, you know, uh, John Wick, like, which is becoming a once in every two or three years phenomenon. Maybe. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and even when you have a movie like, and it is IP, but um, what was the, uh, what was the uh, Gina Prince Blythewood? The old guard, oh, the old guard, yeah. That calms with uh, even that's a Netflix movie that doesn't feel the that feel the same, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, th- but again, I think that there is an inefficiency in the marketplace. I think that a movie, even Top Gun, mm-hmm. is an example of people wanting tactile things, people wanting practical effects, people exactly. wanting 
people wanting but big I, and, and loud and fast. And I would say, you know, I think ambulance did well too, or at least ambulance ambulance would have done really, really well if it was really good. Right. Yeah. Like it, <laughs> yeah. like people were primed to, to get down with that film. I agree. I agree. And I just don't think people liked it that much, but well, See, I that, think, make, that makes yeah, me ahead. so sad. I'm, I'm way in the minority on this. But that's my favorite movie of the year. I but, don't hate it, dude. I didn't oh, hate no, it at all. I, hate it either. Yeah. I definitely yeah. get what you're saying. I like wanted that. to love it though. Like, I, and I'm not yeah. even a Michael Bay guy, but I was yeah. primed to love that. Oh, I totally get it. I think that there's a lot, as much as I think he steps outside of himself in that movie, I still get why people were kind of like, eh, cause like there's still a lot of him in that movie that you're just like, you, you could tone it down a little bit, but but I just, it was a script issue for me, less yeah. so the Michael Bay direct. I mean, listen, give Michael Dude, Bay I a lo- drone I camera love that that's all day your favorite long. Movie of the year, because that's a real choice. Yes, that's a, and that also is the kind of movie that I, I mean, you know, I say this to Phil all the time. Like, I don't root for any movies more than a movie like that, because <laughs> yeah. that's the movie. Yeah. That's the movie I want to be made. 15 20 times a year i want a original scripts Definitely. that get 80 billion dollars so uh and I, I didn't think it was bad i thought it was great but i oh, also no, not just, at all but but i definitely get why i i kind of get why it bombed the way it did for sure i just wish it hadn't but yeah, yeah no for sure it's yeah i, I don't know I, I i think that we're in an interesting space right now where i i mean i was genuinely surprised ambulance didn't perform better than it did me too um i thought i really thought that and again i i think this is because the word of mouth obviously wasn't great uh, i think top Gun has just proven how important word of mouth is right now mm-hmm. um but uh yeah i really i i thought i i still think people are, are are ready for a like a new michael bay like uh like the jordan peele of michael bay well and i think his name kind of at least with wider audiences i mean i don't know i haven't like talked to many people about this but i would assume his name doesn't carry a strong weight to it anymore because he has just come like most people don't know that he did the netflix movie or 13 hours um so i feel like to the wider mainstream his name just carries transformers with it and people are probably like oh that guy's a joke now mm-hmm. and yeah I'm trying, Kenny, you were talking about something before Top Gun that was triggered something in my brain and then I completely lost it. And I'm just I'm curious <laughs> if you remember what it was. Do you remember what it was? Before Top Gun. Uh, you were talking about something before Top whenever Gun. I, which... Whenever I talk about Top Gun, it generally just is a memory. <laughs> right. So be it. So be it. I was talking I mean, about, I mean, I mean, was it was it practical effects? Was it like Yeah, I can't I mean that's I, been my I'm sure it'll come that's back been to my me, big one, yeah. you know. I've I've been yeah. so into this idea of yeah. getting out there and doing even watching these movies um back to dust till dawn which you know yeah. we talked about but even watching these movies <laughs> we'll, 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 yeah we're there are a lot of up, yeah. there are a lot of moments where they're clearly using si- shitty cg yeah like really shitty cg where it feels like would it have cost that more would it have cost much more to do it practically like the one i'm thinking of is there's this moment in the third one where the high priestess or whoever it is of the brothel gets kind of impaled by all of these Correct. these um metal rods that that they have practically they're 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 
they, they like they like close a, an opening, but they come from the sides and it's clearly horrible CG. And it just I'm wondering if like why wouldn't it have been like cooler and more rainy and just awesomer Definitely. to just do it with real and just have the, you know even if you do even if you you work around it at editing and have a lot of close-ups and whatever, then have this gross thing that looks just terrible. And I want I I I, I just I feel and I feel like most film fans. Uh, long for practical effects, and I, mm-hmm. I, I, I think that that's the I think that's the secret sauce of Top Gun. I I, th- I remember I so what I was going to say. Um, <laughs> it occurred to me, <laughs> and it does it does uh, uh, connect to what we're talking about. Kenny and I, uh, in a couple of days, are going to be recording an episode of our Patreon on Taken, um, a movie that I have never seen, um, and I'm excited to watch it. But that's another John Wick esque type thing, where Liam Neeson, who's a guy that was never really an action guy, does this action movie that felt sort of lo-fi low concept and created a he became a fucking action hero as we all know right because yeah. he started making just a shit ton of like 30 20 30 million dollar action movies with a whole bunch of french filmmakers that did like transporter <laughs> movies and stuff like that and they all did it incredibly well and it was like the birth of a whole new thing why cool. didn't that why why does this keep happening where it's like the lane is so fucking narrow when you have these giant successes i just don't get it i i don't either and it's like it eventually the lane becomes so long that it ends up turning into a joke and now that's all liam neeson's known for when i mean the first half of his career he was like this prestigious actor and he's he's oscar schindler exactly (laughs) exactly and it's just like sad because he had i'm pretty sure he's on his like third this year maybe i know he has two and it's like i don't think anyone saw either of those so so it's just like it's it's sad funny because I was gonna say, I was gonna say, you know, because it's a, it's really hilarious that Oscar Schindler's become an action star. I was gonna say that's like if like, the guy who played Gandhi became, oh yeah, Ben Kingsley kind of became <laughs> an action star. <laughs> <laughs> like I guess that's it's what crazy. we do, you know. But it's also funny that like you know, there's there's rumors now that like they might make another Dark Man, that like him and Raimi might come back together and oh, do wow. another oh, Dark be, Man. That would be fun. Yeah. I mean, that'd be fun. But it is it it it's just. I guess careers are just cyclical, right? Like it, it all kind of comes back on itself at some point or another, but, but taken is just a prime example to me. And again, haven't seen it looking forward to it. I know people really love it. It obviously spawned a trilogy um, and, and it's sort of a whole new lane for his career, but I, more than anything, I'm just, and I think it really just underlines what you're saying, Brendan, of like action is not people just don't associate you know, that, it, that there's anything high minded behind it. Right. Yeah. And that you can't. So because of that, it feels as though no one ever really wants to hold on to the coattails of it. And I'm just sort of like, well, that's just it's, depressing. And when it comes to awards, it's almost. Yeah. Le- it, historically, it's almost taken less seriously than horror. Yes. Um, in fact, I would argue it has been. I mean, I really, you know, for. Uh, the. The, the the post expansion there have been a few actiony movies but most of them have come, some kind of sci-fi element to it like mm-hmm. black panther mm-hmm. or an avatar or whatever in terms of pure action movies nominated for best picture pure action movies so not like raiders which is an adventure movie um i can think of one well, which one because i can't 
Oh, The Fugitive yeah. is the only pure action yeah. movie I can ever think that's been nominated for Best Picture, let alone win Best Picture, right? Where like Rebecca won yeah. Best Picture and Silence of the Lambs won Best Rebecca's not really a fucking horror movie. Silence <laughs> of the Lambs won, uh, won Best Picture. Silence of the Lambs is the closest to a straight up horror right i mean yeah I and and one. then you know get out one best screen screenplay sure, sure, and exorcist sure. was obviously nominated for a hundred fucking things and there's mm-hmm. a lot of those movies from the 60s and 70s and that were you know well regarded uh and that kind of thing but in terms of like actually I look i guess i guess there was an argument to be made given the the you know the the constraints of the time that the french connection is an action movie yeah that, that, um, i think that could be an argument for sure but it certainly is, you know, a movie that's inspired a lot of action. Uh, I mean, uh, action we, they're movies, obviously, but, I mean, you have really your, I mean, I guess, I, mean, I don't know that it counts, but like you do have Titanic, you do have Avatar, you do have, I mean, these are Lord of the Rings. Like these are these significant set piece action. Yeah, but, these, but, but yeah, but they're the they're, only, yeah. the only other ones I can think of, and I hate to invoke his name is Mel Gibson's two Oscar plays, uh, True. Braveheart and True. Hacksaw Ridge have pretty terrific action in them. I think he's a guy that's wow. pretty good at with war action, movies. But... Are, war movies are different, right? Yeah, so like war true. movies have been war movies have been in the conversation forever. From, exactly, you know, fucking All Quiet on the Western Front, yeah. to suit and, and beyond. Saving Private Ryan, Hurt Locker, and war movies are just a different story. But in terms of the action we're talking about, which yeah. is you know like the fugitive is really the one, right? The fugitive yeah. is really the act. I agree. I guess a, I guess the French connection to some extent, but the fugitive is really that one. That's thirty years ago, and you know like I mean, there's there's no world where I guess a movie like Speed should it would ever be nominated, and you know yeah, or like great- a T two, like you're never gonna see something like that get I think nominated. T two, I think T two would would be nominated now. It you probably so? would be. Yeah, because it's dealing so. with some really heady themes, and it's, you know, and it's so, so fucking good. Yeah, well, and the, the, Fury, the, the Fury Road, I think Fury that's Road, a, exactly. That's, that's a yeah, hey, if, but, if they have a sci-fi element, I think they have a chance. But exactly, if they yeah. don't, yeah. Uh, it's really hard. And and I, and and I, I'm talking about you know things that just are a little beyond the scope of what you could do in real life, right? So just. Mm-hmm. Uh, in terms of like, you know, a uh, uh, Frankenheimer type movie, like those movies will get a little nod or, you know, there's some elements in, in cop movies and stuff like that. But like Fugitive has a fucking doctor who jumps, you know, three, <laughs> 300 yeah, feet into a, into a fucking, into, into water and survives a bus crash and all these <laughs> things and, and Fugitive rocks and no, you know, but it's this, 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 this step beyond yep. what is going to happen in real life. So. Well, it's not it's not a particularly new thought, but I think a thing that could slowly ease it in to maybe the Academy taking it more seriously is just like having a best stunt category. I mean, I know oh, people have been advocating yes. for that forever, but I think that a best stunt have, category is like really important. But I agree. I don't I don't know. All right, I'm just play devil's advocate for a second, because, of course, there should be one. But the argument I heard against it, and this might be a really shitty, 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 shitty argument, but. <laughs> It might, it might incentivize people to do things that are more and more dangerous. That could be true. I mean, you could because, yeah. Oh. I mean, because it, it could just be Tom Cruise's award every year, and people might get sick of that. And also, and true. 
then you might have Chris Evans hanging out of a plane and then Chris Hemsworth hanging off a tower and not everyone probably won't make it. (laughs) I mean, I hate to say that, but it just, it's, and I know that's not why it's there. It's there, you know, I know that's not why it's not there. It's just pure fucking, you know, uh, bias and snobbery, snobbery. (laughs) but, um, but I I have heard that and it it did resonate with me that it's a little different than, than other awards. Yeah, for sure. And just really quick, because mm-hmm. I didn't want to lose this, you were talking about tactility. I think that's my main reason for having Ambulance as my favorite movie of the year, even though Top Gun's definitely more well-constructed and everything. Um, there's a lot of reasons why I love Ambulance, but I kind of got a little bit of shit for this from VFX artists recently, and I, I felt felt bad about it. It wasn't, I don't believe it was my fault, but I just kind of fired off a tweet half thinking about it. And it, it just had to do with the fact that ambulance feels so tactile and it was made for like 40 million dollars and you can see an ambulance tearing through la and it looks great and then you compare that to a movie like thor which is 200 million and and i get that a lot of that is up front to people like hemsworth and natalie portman and by the time your budget's left it's not as much as people would think but there's no reason for the new thor movie to look the way it does there just isn't and it's because they're crunching their artists and it's it's just like i it's just frustrating to me that the biggest movies in the world look so bad i just i mean I, yeah. i'm sorry if either of you like the no, new no. thor I, I, no, I, I, I would never I, see the new thor i i saw <laughs> thor and i agree with you i mean you're speaking of something that i think is more legion to marvel you know what i mean which is yeah. really just we're talking about they're, production we're talking about the grind that they're putting their their cg artists through uh, which is becoming a little bit more known yeah for sure. Which is, you know what I mean? So people are speaking out about it and, and artists are thankfully pushing back. Um, you're absolutely right. There's, there's absolutely no excuse for them to spend as much money as they spend on these films and for them to look the way they look. Um, I mean, again, listen, the Marvel machine is, I mean, <laughs> perhaps too big to fail. It's, it's, it's doing stuff that's just, you know, it's just, well, it's, it's, it's not doing anything point. particularly interesting anymore. But I, I do want to tell, so Brandon, it sounds like you, think about marvel a lot how could you not i'm not that don't mean to, how, yeah. how could you not it, it drives it drives the industry it certainly drives um you know kind of major budget yeah. filmmaking in the uh in the world so i think about it a lot too even though um i'm kind of tapped out for the moment yeah uh, me too i just i just i i, I want you know look i i'm so blown away by everything that happened you know through the end of phase three uh I don't think it's like the greatest movie, the other greatest movies ever, but I do think it's like one of the five or six greatest cinematic achievements ever. I think it's just an unbelievable thing that happened. And yeah. as a lover of serialization and a lover of mythology and universe building and all that, I, I was very into the idea of migrating it over to Disney Plus and having these shows. And uh, it very quickly proved to be too much for me. Yeah, um, for sure. I just can't, I just can't keep up. And I'm finding the whole thing a little alienating. Uh, so my, and my sense is based on what I'm reading or whatever is like, that's, I'm not the first person to say that or think that, um, they've, they've definitely, I think that they've, they've, I, I, I'm like you, Kenny, in the sense that when the announcements came about the shows, I was like, listen, maybe they're finally going to be the guys that did what a bunch of people have talked about over the last 10, 15 years, which is bridges between movies and using television as these sort of extended opportunities. And to some degree, they have done that, Um, but not nearly as successfully as I would have liked. 
they've certainly done and it's an interesting thing that happens is franchises get long in the tooth and this franchise is almost you know what eight 15 years old probably yeah. 13 years or so 14 so uh, like 14 years old and it's it's like they're spending more the returns are less they're still wildly successful like at this point it's hard to fucking you know criticize anything Feige does but yeah. um but I, I do think we are very close to hearing the term hard reboot. Um, and I, 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 am I wrong? Am I crazy? I don't, I mean, I, I think that, I don't know that here's what I'll say again. I, I would never bet against Feige. I mean, the guy seems to know what he's doing. Um, so I'm not, I'm certainly not going to sit here and say, uh, you know, it's time to, to, to hard reboot. I think that he's spoken of there being films within the next, that are going to show where this is all going. Um, I think he has clearly a goal in mind. Um, what we've seen over the last year or so just feels like a lot of treading water before he gets yeah. there. But, you know, I, I what, mean, do you, what do you think? I, yeah, I, I, I posted it to you in the filibusters. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know about hard reboot either, but I do feel a sense of, and I mean, this sounds crazy to say because these movies make so much money yeah and and the drop off from weekend to weekend has always historically been pretty big sure. so so maybe i'm wrong in this but i do it's feel massive some, now it's 80 yeah. percent. Well, yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah and and i feel like there are people craving something that they can return to that that doesn't feel perfunctory like top gun like everything everywhere sure. all at once and yep. that, that you can keep going back to and feel like you're seeing something just fresh and um with I, I've gotten the sense outside of No Way Home, which was was that the new Spider Man or was it Far from, No Way Home? Far no from way home. I, I don't love that no movie. Way no way home. No way home. No way home. No way home. I, I don't love that movie, but I get why it's undeniable. But outside mm-hmm. of that movie, I, I feel like every movie I've seen in a theater since Black Widow was like, I, the, 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 there's such a weird disconnect with audiences that I've been seeing because I see them in like a pretty sold out showing. And you have these moments that are clear applause breaks and no one's reacting. And it's like, if it had been phase three, people would have been cheering and yelling and everything. And like when John Krasinski showed up in my theater, everyone in in, uh, Patrick Stewart, my theater was dead silent. And it just feels like people are showing up out of, it's like a regiment now, like, oh, we got to go see the Marvel movie. And then you forget about it a week later. And it's just, I I feel like maybe not a hard reboot, but I think maybe TV might have hurt them a little bit because like you said uh kenny it is kind of alienating because if you haven't seen wandavision well i i guess it's not true because <laughs> doctor strange kind of I, I would say it doesn't make that much sense but it kind of feels like it doesn't really follow any of her character development from wandavision so maybe that's not a good example but i feel like th- there's the captain america 4 with anthony mackie that's supposedly being made but how many people watched his show i mean how many people it's yeah. just it's weird. I think like, the only the only question I have in terms of on the horizon for Marvel is Black Panther 2 coming out in November is the type of movie that if it can be and this is a huge if we don't even know what it's a fucking about we haven't even yeah. seen stills from it like this thing has been under such uh weird lock and key uh since unfortunately um you know since Chadwick's death yeah that there's a part of me that's like, if that movie can succeed, that's a big if, but if it can, is that the type of thing that gets people engaged on a level that maybe they haven't been previously, at least for the past couple films? But you're absolutely right. What you guys are saying is absolutely true. I sat in the theater for Thor uh, and it was like crickets, uh, except for like one 
I'm pretty sure drunk person who was very, very enthusiastic. <laughs> uh, I, I feel like, um, you know, you mentioned uh, Doctor Strange 2, which, you know, quantifiably the Sam Raimi stuff I loved and the Marvel stuff yeah. was just like, I don't care. It's a very uh, good, this is a very problem. Good comparison to the, to, to uh, from Dust Till Dawn 2. <laughs> There's yeah. Like, yeah. like, yeah. But, um, it just it breaks my heart with this Marvel stuff because I'm a lifelong comic reader and and I haven't been reading comics lately but um Moon Knight is my favorite Marvel character has been since I was a little kid and I the honestly show. I haven't seen the show and it like right. if you you could have you could tell me 6 months from now that there was a Marvel show of my favorite character starring Oscar Isaac and Ethan Hawke and I would, wouldn't huh. believe you like I just like yeah no I I I I I hear you um, so uh, to, to, to wrap this up, I don't know if you know how we rate the films on this I podcast. Do, yeah. yeah, I have. So, uh, um, let me pull them up here. <laughs> I, I had a pre and a post podcast rating. Um, all, all of them have uh, have gone up a little. Both of them have gone up. Um, so, Kenny, I'm going to ask you to go first. OK, what is what's uh, your <laughs> what's your rating on Texas Blood Money? It was a twenty five. Before podcast, uh, okay. Before podcast, I'm gonna. I mean, I'm not gonna go up much. I really don't love this movie, but it's not unwatchable. I'll give it a thirty-eight. <laughs> <laughs> um, I came into this podcast at a twenty for this movie. Oh, um, and I'm 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 gonna go up to thirty. I mean, I, I'm I, again hard hard for me to like be very enthusiastic about these films, um, but at the same time. Uh, you know, I, I think this conversation certainly did them some favors. But uh, what about you, Brennan? Well, this is going to be kind of embarrassing then because um, I, uh, I I was I, I've was heard that an eighty. Oh, yeah, no, it was <laughs> one hundred perfect movie. Um, <laughs> <laughs> when I was listening to some of your past shows, I think I've heard you say this, Kenny, that fifty is the threshold for where yes. you would recommend or recommend like one. Yeah. So, so I had it at a fifty-one because I was like, I think that this is ex- there's enough exciting stuff in here that I would recommend it to somebody. But after talking about it, I I don't know how much further I go down, but it, it, I I don't know if I can get good conscience. It's a fifty-one, yeah. so I'll say maybe like a forty-seven. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. Right. That's fair. Well, I mean, wait, I, wait, you get yeah. my second review. Yeah. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, I no think that um, on this podcast, <laughs> I wouldn't recommend this. This is a, this is actually a weird one, Kenny. I think because these are movies that um, I actually I'm going to put a, like a bit of an asterisk next to my ratings on these films because I do think that on some level, you know, if you're pressing play on a From Dust Till Dawn two or three, uh, I think you know what you're in for. Exactly. Yeah. So like, it's kind of hard for me to be like recommend not recommend um so i don't know i don't i, I don't mean to be sort of qualifying but you well, know no, I, and i think you're right because i i just got done saying you know i hate when people go oh that was junk but i liked it but i yeah. do think there is a tendency within the horror community to be like oh the fifth part in this series that you didn't know existed is actually the greatest and you'll i mean <laughs> and so i think horror fans are are built a little differently to where they know what they're getting into right right yeah and i thought i thought we might have i mean i i thought we might have a little bit of that where <laughs> One of you guys are going to say one of these is better than the first one. Thank God that didn't happen. Oh no, because um, no. uh, because again, I think that's something mm-hmm. people love to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but all right, so the yeah, hangman's uh, daughter. The all right, so the the 
thing about both, we did talk a lot about these in the context of, you know, what the first one set up. They're both pretty terrible uh, sequels to this terrible. film yeah. in particular. For like, sure. if you're a fan of From Dust Till Dawn, like, if you were looking for more of that, you will not get it here. No, Don't there's watch, not like, even fucking... a, str- a weird character or a straggler or something you no. can pull through Don't outside of Jackie Danny Brown. <laughs> I mean, it's just you're just not going to get what you want from this film. Yep. So they're both pretty bad in that in that uh, respect. Um, the second one, I actually gave a 60 and I'm going to tell oh you my why. God. I'm going to tell you why. And what I would have done with the second one, the only thing I would have, I, I, I would have wanted more. I'll tell you my whole thought process. Okay. Uh, I have very, li- I have very limited time this weekend. And uh, my wife is out of town. I'm with three of the kids. Most of my uh, TV time has been Paw Patrol and Pete the Cat. I've been watching movies with my daughter that are appropriate for her. What did you end so up watching watch, with her, by the way? Charlie's Angels, by the oh, way. Okay. Okay. The original, of course. Um, <laughs> And, uh, and it, it, I was watching, you know, I watched the first one during a nap. I watched the, and I watched the rest of that, like at 5 a.m. the next morning. And then I watched 45 minutes of this movie. And I'm like, you know what? This isn't that important of a podcast. I think I, I will just read the rest of the synopsis and pretend that I've watched the whole film. So I read the rest of the synopsis and I, and then I was thinking about the poster and I saw Rebecca Gayhart got bit and became a, a uh, vampire and I was like, you know what? I want to watch the rest of this movie. <laughs> I choose to finish this movie. So again, at 5 a.m. when I'm up with my son, Luke, and he's watching Paw Patrol, I put this on my iPhone and I finish it. And uh, normally when I'm watching a movie on my iPhone, all I want to do is like, uh, it's uh, lamenting the fact that I don't have a second screen there and it's so sure. hard. I got to watch this. and it's, It wasn't a hard watch. I, I genuinely enjoyed watching the second half of this movie. I enjoy the first half. And I think it's a, I, I do. I think it's a pretty fun film. I think the performances are fun. I think Michael Parks is a great fucking actor. And oh, a, yeah. A, yeah. A, deep, a deeply watchable actor. Uh, the mythology is silly as shit, but it was fun. And, uh, and I, I got to say, I like, I'm not going to go any higher, but, you know. Can 60, I also just say. Stick it at a 60. And that, that, that listen. I love more that. more power to you. Love <laughs> that you love that you love this movie or like this movie as much as you do. I do want to I do want to say something though in terms of mythology that I think is sort of um, I just was like I don't really get it. So uh, at the end, did you say did you guys both watch the post credits scene? I did okay. only because oh. I knew only because I knew it was there because of I didn't Wikipedia. know it was there. So now well, there's I, a now, there's a post credit scene yeah. where we are in present day with forgive me what's the actor's name Kenny. Well, Michael Parks, I'm not even, we're not even, we didn't bring up how hilarious it is that he's playing Ambrose Bierce, which is hilarious. Which yeah. is ridiculous. In and uh, yeah. <laughs> but, but what I was like, so we realized that he actually got bit and we're in present day and he's a vampire. And then he like tears a guy's heart out and he, and he bites it. Oh, so that's why end. there's, it seems like he's experiencing flashbacks throughout the movie. Correct. It, okay. See, that makes more sense now. Sure. I, Sense. Yeah, I mean, maybe. Sure. Yeah, yeah. In, in, but include, but what's strange that in your rating, Brandon, is that <laughs> what I think they could have done is just made him the fucking cop from the beginning of the first, from dusk till dawn. Oh, that would have made, so, him the, the, made him the character he is. Made him the character. Yeah. So, like, actually, fucking pull the thing together. It's that not rocket science. Yeah, and I, mean, like, I mean, hard. I guess because I'm not, like I, Kenny. I'm not really. You no, understand? No. Like, I, I don't think it's <laughs> a good because, fucking be, because solve, that cop like, was 
killed, so we know that you can kill him without <laughs> stakes through the heart. I again, I, I what, what my and he, and he was in the day. He was, that whole scene took place in the day. Listen, listen you know he's not, not a vampire. Listen, right. I don't, I don't, I, I, I don't really hard. give a shit about this mythology. But the point you I'm gave trying a to make shit is a second ago. My my point is. <laughs> That if you're going to listen, take take my pitch of him being the cop out of the equation for a second. If you're going to come to present day, you had an opportunity to easily tie this thing together. Easily. So they, what the they, fuck they are you very, doing? They very easily. That's all this, Alvaro Rodriguez wrote this. He's Robert Rodriguez's cousin. Rodriguez, both Rodriguez and Tarantino EP this movie. You very easily could have Vin Dieseled it in fucking sure. uh, Tokyo Drift. Yes. And had someone be it Clooney for 20 minutes show up at the bar Whoever. that would have been sick yeah because Clooney wasn't Lewis was Clooney fully Clooney in 99 probably not yeah yeah he was well he, he was, was doing uh, three kings he was three oh right kings, okay but, yeah. I, but yeah. I'll just say this. a year after out of sight but whatever dude he, oh I, I, I don't yeah. even who does his own voice in fucking South Park he oh yeah that's show right up. yeah he will yeah. you don't even need it to be clue you don't even need it to be Tarantino it could have been fucking Danny uh, Trejo. Uh, Danny Trejo could have been. Um, oh my God! Why am I drawing a blank on uh, Hawks, the guy who's uh, the actor who is in the the convenience oh, John, store at the John top. Hawks. John Hawks. Yeah. I don't care who the fuck it is, <laughs> but if you bring someone <laughs> from the top of of that movie, so at least you're like, huh, these are connected. It's well, that could have been fun. I, anyway, I just it, it was just anyway. Fast and Furious um, Tokyo Drift has clearly spoiled you. You expect too much from this. Right? <laughs> well, clearly, clearly, um, these festival films. So I came into this podcast out of fifteen for this movie, um, but I but I went up. I'm under thirty now. I think they're both pretty much on par. 30s. <laughs> I, I think that I mean I think they both have their strengths and their weaknesses. I think that you know I I would never watch them again but i do think that like there's a lot of fun goofy shit in texas blood money that makes that movie a lot of fun even if it's not very good and then there's a a surprising groundedness and like pretty decent western in the dna of the second one that i was kind of like pretty taken with so like yeah i mean i I can go to 30 but whatever you brennan i I, Uh, real fast i just would have really liked for rebecca gay hearts vampire character to have had a bigger role yeah i think yeah i mean i I hated her vampire southern accent thing though i like her southern accent in general but like (laughs) i just love her yeah yeah i I also think urban legend so like yeah she's great in that she's great in she's in uh jawbreaker right am i crazy that she's in jawbreaker am i making that up yeah she's she's in jawbreaker Yeah. yeah um I thought they also just speaking of missed opportunities from from uh, Heyman's daughter is they ha- she shows up in the sort of bowels of the sewers right and we get the impression that you know she's trying to coerce her husband to to you know uh, help her or whatever um, but then like she just turns where like you had an opportunity there where. You could have just like kept that card under your vest for a second and had her be the one that kills the husband, but instead they just were like, "Yeah, yeah fuck it, she's just a vampire." And like, I don't know, they just they, there's there's a lot of money left on the table when it comes to the reveals in the in the third. A, a lot of Texas blood money. Indeed. A lot of, yeah, 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 yeah. A lot of red box rentals. <laughs> um, where where are you at on this, Brendan? So I came in at at 
23, 24 range, but uh, Kenny convinced me that this should have won best picture. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I, I, I don't think that I will say I've thought about this one more than Texas blood money since I've watched both of them, which yep. I think says a lot. So I'm probably, I forget what I said. Texas blood money was like a 47. So I'm probably yep. up at yep. like a 40, 43, 44 with this one. I think that there's more redeemable in this movie than I kind of thought there was while I was watching it. Same. I feel the same way. I think that Kenny right. successfully turned day. me around on Hangman's Daughter yeah. uh, being uh, being a stronger film than I think I uh, gave it credit for. But cool. this was, we can't thank you enough for coming on, man. This was, yeah, you're, you're, you're a mensch. You're a good guy. <laughs> you, you truly, you know, you, you owned up to, uh, you know, a thing. And I, I, I appreciate it. Kenny appreciates it. Pre- I appreciate it. Um, we'd love to have you back on in the future for perhaps good movies. Yeah, you know, movies would... that 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 uh, you know. I don't think Agnes Varda has anything in '99. Unfortunately, oh, no. I, um, I should but... be clear. I, I was. I I keep thinking back to saying that I wasn't trying to say that it's any sort of flex, but I was trying. No, to no, give, no. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I just wanted to give context about how weird it is that where my writing career ended up from what I actually love the most. So yeah, but uh, no. I mean, listen, we still have a bunch of '99 movies left to cover. Um, some of them are are really quite interesting. We'd love to have you back. Definitely. Um, yeah. and and it truly, um, you know, I. I think that Kenny set it up top, you know, when we had our, our, uh, our, our therapist session together, the three of us, <laughs> I do, I do think that, you know, uh, I think many, many people would have just ignored what transpired. Right. And, and the fact that you were, you know, that you were good about it, you came on here, we, we discussed it. And uh, I think it's, I think it's great. Truly. Well, I, this was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. Thank you guys. And I, I appreciate yeah. you guys for being so gracious and actually asking me to be on because hey, man kind of a dick move on my part and it's just cool that it all worked out it's, we're nothing it's if great. not good natured hollywood blowhards exactly <laughs> <laughs> um well on that note thank you so much for coming on do we really appreciate it definitely Take thank care. you all right yep. talk to you later man bye yep see you hold up what was that Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.